Um, if you guys don't know me as much, I'm the worship director here at Redstone Church, and so usually I'm up behind a guitar or a piano or something like that. Um, but today we have pastors who are in togas and pastors that are on vacation and all sorts of stuff. So they called in the like fourth or fifth team um, to, to do the sermon. So we are going to be in the book of Acts. Like Ali said, we are walking through Paul's second missionary journey, and so are the kids. So they're, they're going through the same sort of thing that we are going to. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 15. It is also on your worship guide, but I would encourage you to look in your actual Bible as well, because we'll be looking at a few other uh, passages as we go through. So well, we are calling this series Outward as we go through this missionary journey because as you read the book of Acts, the gospel starts in Jerusalem and then there is a continual outward motion of it. So there, there's, there's believers huddled up in Jerusalem and then they go to Judea and then they go to Samaria and then they just keep on going outward as people come to know the gospel and then they proclaim, to the, they proclaim the word to those around them. And um, so we are calling it Outward, and Paul is one of the main characters in the book of Acts that um, makes this outward motion of the gospel happen. Um, so we're covering his second missionary journey. His first one is a little, kind of a short journey, and then his second one is a massive journey where he goes far, far away from home to proclaim the gospel to the people who have never, ever heard the gospel um, last week, Spencer talked uh, about um, being sent and how it was in the DNA of the early church to send people out, how the Jerusalem church sent people to Antioch, and then the people at Antioch sent people out on mission. This week, I want us to focus on the church. I want us to think about the church. And whenever I say the church, I, I do mean Redstone Church. That's part of it. But I also mean something bigger than that. So Redstone Church is a small part of what makes up the bigger picture church. So whenever I say church today, most of the time I'm referring to the big picture church, the church in Johnson City, the church in East Tennessee, the church in North America, in the world. That's what I'm referring to, okay? So we're talking about big picture church here. And I want you to ask a question to yourself. Um, I want you to ask the question, is the church strong and growing, or is the church weak and stagnant? Is the church strong and growing and flourishing and increasing, or is it weak and staying still and not adding? Now, I know it's not a simple question because in some places the church is growing like crazy. In some places the church is stronger than in other places. But I think that all of us would agree that there are weaknesses in the church, that there are ways that we wish the church would grow more. There are things that are, are glaring that we say, something's, something's not quite right there. We don't love one another quite enough, or we don't love God quite enough, or we're not sharing the gospel quite like we should, or we're not taking care of the poor quite like we should. Um, I think all of us would be able to pinpoint something that we've seen and said, you know, I wish that was a little bit stronger. Um, what I think this passage helps us to see is that uh, God uses weak people to strengthen and grow His church. God uses weak people 
to strengthen and grow his church. So if you're a believer um, who looks around at the church and sees some weaknesses and sees some areas of non-growth or of stagnancy, um, God has given you the tools to strengthen it. God has given you the tools to grow the church. Um, today's passage gives us a glimpse of how he does that. It doesn't, I, I'm not going to get into all the comprehensive ideas of um, how he has given you the tools because this passage just doesn't quite cover that. Um, but the Bible does. The Bible shows us all of the tools that God has given us. I'm just going to pick out one or two of them um, from this passage so that you know how you can walk forward in strengthening the church and in growing the church. No matter how weak you feel as a Christian, no matter how um, unequipped you feel, God has equipped you. So let's read from Acts 15:36 through 16.5. This is the word of the Lord. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of God and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily." So God is using weak people to strengthen and grow the church, and I want to give you a really wordy uh, sentence that you're probably not going to remember, but hopefully at the end of our time here, you kind of understand what it means. This is how uh, I think this passage shows us God strengthens and grows the church. The church is strengthened and grown through the proclamation of the word of a sovereign God by surrendered people. The church is strengthened and grown through the proclamation of the word of God, the, of the word of a sovereign God by surrendered people. So let's work through this passage. First, we see this idea of the big C church. This is what I mentioned before that we're talking about the bigger picture. If you look in verse uh, 36, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Spencer mentioned last week how this church at Antioch is thinking about other churches. If you look at this map, um, you, you probably can't read anything, but over here, this is the church at Antioch. This is where they started. This is their home church, and they're here. This is the first missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas went on. They went down to Cyprus, and then they went up here to Pamphylia and went around, and then they went back to Antioch. So now they're sitting there saying, okay, um, the churches 
that are in Lystra and Derby and Salam, Salami, Salam, something. Um, those churches need to be strengthened, and we proclaim the word of God to them, and we want to go back and see how they're doing. So you see, this church at Antioch is not just thinking about the strengthening that needs to happen here right now with us. They are also looking out at the bigger picture church and saying, okay, how does the church big picture need to be strengthened and need to grow. Um, so I, whenever I talk about this, uh, Redstone Church needs to look a lot like that. We need to care and strengthen um, for ourselves in, in, inside Redstone Church, but we also want to look out at the bigger picture church and be concerned with the strengthening and the growth of the big picture church. Um, there are believers in Elizabethton that's not quite as close to Johnson City. There's believers in Knoxville and in Ecuador and in Mozambique and in China. Um, we should find joy whenever those believers and that part of the church is strengthened and when it's growing. And we should be burdened. We should uh, feel conviction whenever those parts of the church are weak and when those parts of the church are not growing. We want to be an outward-focused church that um, is a part of the bigger picture church. We just recently were accepted as part of the Acts 29 network. If you don't know what that is, that's a group of churches that is committed to planting churches and to sending people out. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a network of pastors that are working together for the bigger picture goal. And that's why we do that, is because there is something bigger than ourselves that we are working towards. Um, but even bigger than Acts 29, you look at just the global church. There are Christians all over the world that we long to see strengthened. And we believe that God uses people like us to strengthen those churches and to see those churches grow. Uh, so, the big picture church, um, I've, also, I've already talked a lot about strengthening and growing, um, but you can see this in our passage if you look at, uh, if you actually back up to last week's passage in 1531, you might not be able to read that, I don't know, I'm sorry, I've never made these slides before, but it's cool. Um, 1531 says they, were, they encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Um, 1541 says he, uh, he went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. That's in verse 5. Uh, so all through this, it's talking about the strengthening and the growth of the churches. So strengthening the church is helping those inside the church be taught and equipped and mobilized. And then growing the church is looking at those outside the church who don't know Jesus and being witnesses to them so that they can come in and be insiders and know Jesus and be children of God so that they can continue to strengthen and grow the church. So we want the church to be strengthened on the inside and grow by people coming to know Jesus on the outside. So I think this passage shows us three ways um, that this happens. It's not comprehensive again, but it shows us a few ways that this happens. So first of all, the church is strengthened and grown through the proclamation of the Word of God. Church is strengthened and grown through the proclamation of the Word of God. If we rewind again to last week's passage in verse 32, 
uh, it tells us that they encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. So they are speaking, they are talking. Um, and these words are, uh, if, if you look through it, that is actual revelation from God that they are speaking to um, the brothers, to strengthen the brothers. And then um, if you fast forward to this week's passage in uh, 36, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So on uh, Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey, they proclaimed the word and they saw the church grow because of the proclamation of the word of God. And really throughout the book of Acts, we see this idea of the word of God increasing. Um, it, it's kind of a strange phrase that the word of God increases, but the idea is that the word is preached and then people come to know Jesus through the word, and then they continue to proclaim the word. And then those people who they proclaimed it to proclaim the word. So if you look back in Acts uh, 6, verse 7, it says, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And then 1224 says, but the word of God increased and was multiplied. And then 1920, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So for the church to be strengthened and to be grown, we have to be people who are proclaiming the Word of God. Now, what does that mean for us to proclaim the Word of God? It doesn't mean standing on a stage necessarily and, and speaking the Word of God, um, but it, it might mean that. But for us in our personal lives, God uses weak Christians to strengthen and grow the church. God, God uses people um, who don't feel necessarily well-equipped or people who bicker and fight or people who are imperfect. God uses those people to strengthen and grow the church. Um, what it means for us to proclaim the Word of God is, first of all, we need to know the Word of God. The people of God need to know the Word of God. We should be daily digging into the Word studying the Word because the Word is what points us to God. The Word is what tells us who God is and what He's done for us. We need to know the Word of God. Every single person in this room should be digging into the Word. Um, and it, God uses you to strengthen the church, and He does it through the proclamation of the Word. So to proclaim it, you've you got to know it. We need to be in our Bibles. But secondly, um, proclaiming the Word of God means talking about it with believers. So th there's a reason we do some things like we do at Redstone. Um, in particular, we have community groups where we gather together and we actually talk about the Word of God with one another. Um, that's part of this. We also do a community Bible reading plan where we're reading the Bible together and we're talking about it with one another. But beyond that, we are called to talk about, believer, talk about the Word with believers um, at other times um, that we just need to be keeping our eyes open for, um, for when people need the Word spoken to them. Jerry Williams, uh, one of our elders here, is like the perfect example of this. It, it's almost annoying to me. Um, I, I really, like, I don't know that he's ever said a sentence that doesn't have part of a Bible verse in it. It's, it's really amazing. He's always spouting out the Word of God, no matter what the conversation is. He's always got something on his mind. And one of his favorite verses is in Colossians 4, and it says um, to remain in prayer, being watchful in it. 
And, and then that passage goes on to tell us to pray for a door to be opened for the word of God. So that's this idea that as we pray for a door for the word of God, we are being watchful. We are looking among our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are saying, okay, how, um, how does the Lord want to use me to speak the word of God into people's lives around me? Um, there might be times that uh, you, you have a friend that you need to tell them about, uh, like Hebrews 13, that says, let your life be free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There might be times that your friends are struggling with doubt or with a lack of assurance in their faith, and you might point them to Hebrews 6. And Hebrews 6 tells us that, that, that we, uh, we have a, a, a sure and steady anchor. That's what we sang earlier. Sure and steady anchor that enters before us into the inner place. Christ Jesus who died on our behalf, right? Maybe there's times that you, you have friends who are fearful. They're fearful to share their faith. Um, but you can tell them that Romans 8 tells them... Um, it's hard to remember sometimes, but Romans 8 it tells them who can separate us from the love of Christ. And there's, there's no one. It goes on to say, I, I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, uh, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Not, like the, uh, People need to hear this stuff. This is the Word of God. And your friends need to hear that stuff. You've got to know it so that you can be talking about it and proclaiming it to, um, to the believers around you. But not only that, we want to proclaim it to unbelievers. We, all, we want to be going to our unbelieving friends and proclaiming the word that says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short. And the Word of God says that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, we need to know these scriptures so that we can proclaim the Word of God to the people around us who don't know Jesus. And then something that we see in this passage is you need to follow up with those that you talk to. So if you look at Paul and Barnabas, they went on this missionary journey and they, they proclaimed the word of God and then they didn't just like gospel bomb people and then leave, right? They ended up going back and they wanted to see how they are. They wanted to go back and continue proclaiming the word to those people. So that is how we are supposed to proclaim the word um, to those around us. Uh, secondly, in this, we see proclamation of the Word of God, and we see the sovereignty of ascending God. So, let's look at this passage. It's, it's really, really, really important that we understand the sovereignty of God in this mission, because we're saying that weak people are strengthening the church, right? Weak people can't strengthen anything, right? So, so we have to know that the sovereignty of God is at work here. Um, so let's look into the rest of this passage. It says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So just pause there really quick. Uh, we're going to look back at the map. This is their first missionary journey. 
Paul and Barnabas and John Mark went together. They started in Antioch. They came down here to Cyprus and did some stuff. And then they went up here to Pamphylia. And then John Mark was like, I'm going to go hang out with my homies in Jerusalem down here. So they, uh, he ended up leaving. We don't actually know why he ended up going to Jerusalem. But whatever the case was, Paul had a problem with it. Paul felt like he had abandoned him. And Paul didn't want to take him again on their second journey uh, because he didn't want him to abandon. He didn't feel like he could trust him probably. Um, Barnabas, on the other hand, Barnabas is actually John Mark's cousin. And you know how family is. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to upset my cousin. Um, and also, Barnabas is known as the son of encouragement. So Barnabas over here is much more predisposed than Paul to give John Mark a second chance. Um, so if we continue on reading, it says, And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took, with, took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, this disagreement escalated to the point that it was a sharp disagreement. We don't really know exactly what that means, but it, it was bad enough that they decided to separate. They decided to not work with one another uh, anymore. And this is a side note, but it's important for you guys to realize that if you are a child of God in the church trying to strengthen the church and to grow the church, you are going to butt heads with other believers. It's going to happen. We are going to have conflict at times. We are imperfect people that are trying to, trying to go out and do a perfect mission. It's not always going to be perfect. We are going to get frustrated with each other. And we really have a problem that um, the, not necessarily our church, but a lot of the time in the church, people just leave whenever they realize, oh, I don't agree with everyone about every single thing, or I, I, I have a, I think we should probably do things this way, but we do them this, this way. We, we don't tend to work through those things well. We just, we just get out because we think, oh, everything has to be exactly, um, exactly the same for everyone. But like Paul and Barnabas, you know, sometimes that's because of sin and because of hypocrisy, uh, but sometimes it's just a difference of opinion. Um, sometimes Christians can disagree on a strategy, right? Like taking John Mark or not taking John Mark. You know, Paul had a legitimate reason to not want to take him. I mean, the guy had abandoned them. That, that is a totally legitimate reason to not want John Mark to go with them. Barnabas had a legitimate reason to want him to go with him. It's very Christ-like to want to give him a second chance and to, to take him along and disciple him through it. But they disagreed, and it was a sharp disagreement. We need to know we are going to have disagreements, and we are going to struggle with each other. We're going to have conflict. But the good news is that God is bigger than us, and that God works sovereignly even whenever we have disagreements. So um, He works all things to the all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And even whenever we can't seem to agree with ourselves. So if we go back to the first missionary journey map, um, they are wanting to go back to the churches that they visited, right? So they're wanting to go down here to Cyprus, and they're wanting to go up here to Derby and Lystra and Iconium. Well, if you read the passage, what happens is Barnabas takes John Mark, and they sail down here, and 
they go to Cyprus. And then Paul takes Silas, and they go up here through Syria and through Cilicia, and they come over here to Derbe and Lystra and Iconium. You see what's happening? They are accomplishing their mission, but they're actually doing it twice as efficiently, right? Because now you've got two missionary teams going, because now you have Paul with Silas, and then you have Barnabas with John Mark, and they're doing it twice as efficiently. And then if you look at what Paul actually does on this journey, you see this is his second journey. This is his first journey down here. Paul ends up going all these other places, um, and, and, and God had sovereignly orchestrated it. So, I mean, Barnabas, Barnabas is probably down here still doing all this ministry, and Paul's able to go to those who have never heard the gospel. So, despite this disagreement and this very difficult thing that's happening in the church, God is using it um, for his purpose. God is ascending God and sometimes in his sovereignty, he uses means that we wouldn't expect to send us out to those who don't know Jesus. So if you dig a little bit into the characters of the story as well, you see this sovereignty at work. So John Mark, this point of contention, this guy who abandoned them and seemingly is this troublemaker or whatever, um, he ends up, he goes down to Cyprus with Barnabas, and then he runs into the apostle Peter, later on in his ministry, and he hangs out with Peter for a while and is discipled, and John Mark is the guy who wrote the gospel of Mark in the Bible. Like, th that is Mark, this guy who abandoned them and went down to Jerusalem. Um, and then if you read in Second Timothy, Paul actually later on asks them to send him John Mark. He says, please send me John Mark because he's profitable for ministry. And so you see that God was sovereignly working in John Mark's life, um, even through all of this struggle between all of them. And then if you read on later in uh, chapter 6, you, we run into Timothy. Um, he meets, Paul meets Timothy in uh, this place, Lystra, um, Paul meets Timothy here, and Timothy ends up being one of his closest companions and travels with him a lot. He travels with him all the way over around here, and then they end up in this place called Ephesus, and Timothy ends up being the pastor of Ephesus, which is the recipient of the letter of Ephesians, right? And Timothy is the recipient of the letters First and second Timothy, right? So God was working in this way in John Mark's life, in Timothy's life, in Paul and Barnabas's life. God is sovereignly orchestrating these things even in their weakness. So the church is strengthened and grown through the proclamation of the word and through the sovereignty of God. Third, God, the church is strengthened and grown through the surrender of sending people. So we need to keep on reading in uh, chapter 6, verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now this is a really confusing verse, uh, because literally in the chapter beforehand, um, the, the chapter beforehand is all about how the church decides, look, the, the Jews have a custom and a cultural distinction of circumcision. Gentiles aren't circumcised. Gentiles don't have to get circumcised in order to become Christians. That, that's the whole point of chapter 15. That, that's a big deal. And that is actually the message that they are taking on the second missionary journey, is Gentiles don't have to be circumcised to be saved. And then Paul shows up, he finds Timothy, and he's like, all right, 
we need to circumcise you. That's weird, um, and it might be a little confusing, but it's important here to realize that Timothy is not a Gentile non-believer who's being forced into circumcision because he thinks that's what's going to save him. Um, Timothy is a Jewish believer who is willingly doing this for the sake of the strengthening and the growth of the church. So I think we actually come to understand this a little better if you skip to Acts 21. Um, in Acts 21, 21, uh, it tells us that uh, some opponents to Paul's ministry were telling people that Paul is coming and trying to get rid of Jewish culture. Paul is coming and trying to tell you not to circumcise your children if you're a Jew. Um, and that just wasn't the case. But if Paul's traveling with Timothy, who is an uncircumcised Jew, um, that can be a hindrance to the Jews that they are ministering to. Uh, so Timothy willingly surrenders to, um, to the, the, the opportunity to strengthen and grow the church. He, he, he says, it's not worth it. Uh, for me to have this my way, I would rather not be a stumbling block for people. So I am going to be circumcised so that the church among the Jews can be strengthened and it can grow um, through that. So Timothy was a guy that wanted to see the church strengthen and grow. Um, he, Timothy, honestly, you could probably see him as a, a weak person in the first place. He, um, if you read more about Timothy. He probably didn't have a great father figure. Um, he was raised by his mom and I think his grandmother. Um, and he's a guy that was uh, a Jew that was supposed to be circumcised, but he wasn't circumcised. And all this, like, he didn't seem to fit the bill for someone who was going to be sent and be this great preacher and this, um, this big figure in the Christian faith. But he ended up um, going and doing amazing things because of the sovereignty of God and because of his surrender to the calling of the Lord. Um, and you see the effects of that in uh, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So that wasn't necessarily a direct response to Timothy's circumcision, but Timothy's circumcision allowed him uh, to do ministry in a way that strengthened the church and um, grew the church. So in, at the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey, we see um, the church being strengthened through the proclamation of the word, we see it being strengthened through God sovereignly sending in his own way. And third, we see it through the surrender of sent people. Um, but I want to tell you guys, the church didn't just need to be like strengthened and grown back in the first century. Like we were saying at the beginning, the church today has great weaknesses. And God is still calling people to the church today. And God wants to use people like you and me to strengthen the church. Um, and I want you guys to ask yourselves, how surrendered are you willing to be for the sake of the strengthening and the growth of the church? Um, how, how uncomfortable are you willing to make yourself for the sake of the proclamation of the word among people who don't know Jesus? Um, God might be calling you to a lot of stuff. There's a lot of different callings that the Lord calls us to in strengthening the church, but he's equipped each and every one of us with the tools that we need to do that. So God might be calling you to spend some time with people that you aren't really comfortable around um, because they need to know Jesus. And you need to surrender to that calling and proclaim the word of God to them. 
God might be calling you to have a really uncomfortable conversation with a believing brother or sister. Um, you have, we, we got to surrender to that. We got to proclaim the word to the people around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ who need to hear the word. God might be calling you. We, we're planting a church site in Elizabethan. God might be stirring in your heart that, hey, I need to go with this, uh, with this church site and, and, and minister to the people in Elizabethan. I, need, I look at this, the, the church in Elizabethan, and it needs strengthening. It needs growth in Elizabethan. You need to surrender to that calling. You need to go and proclaim the Word of God in Elizabethan. God might be, I, 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 I don't want to say God might be, I think God is calling people in here to take their family to the other side of the world, to unreached people who have never heard the gospel. God is calling people from here to go and proclaim the gospel among people who have never heard it, like Paul did on this missionary journey. He went far, far away from home to those who had never heard about Jesus, and he shared and proclaimed the word of God to them. God is calling people from here to go and do that. And if God is calling you to strengthen and grow the church on the other side of the planet, you need to surrender to that. And you need to proclaim the Word of God so that the Word of God continues to increase and the church continues to grow and the gospel continues to be preached around the world. God calls us in many, many different ways, um, but we are all called to respond and to strengthen and grow the church. So we, as people of God, we are to proclaim the Word of God, right? We can trust in the sovereignty of ascending God as we go and proclaim that word. We can trust that his sovereignty is going to accomplish his purpose through us. And it requires our surrender to the will of that sovereign God as, as we go so that it might be strengthened and grown. So this is how uh, I think this passage shows us that God has chosen weak people who disagree and have conflict and get mad at each other and split up and go. God uses the proclamation of the word. He uses his own sovereignty, and um, he uses all of it for his glory and for our good to strengthen and to grow the church. We have a, uh, we have a really good example of this in Jesus. Um, whenever we study the word, we always want to look at how Jesus accomplishes something that we are not very good at accomplishing. Um, Jesus was one who dwelt in glory for all of eternity past with the Father, right? Jesus is perfection, and he decided to make himself uncomfortable, leave that. He took on human flesh. He was circumcised. He lived a life um, as a carpenter, blue-collar worker, in, um, in the Middle East, that's hot and cold at night, but it's, it's uncomfortable, right? And then he went to the cross, which is un- uncomfortable is an understatement that I probably shouldn't even use because that is torture and pain and um, agony that we couldn't possibly understand as he bore the wrath of God for us so that the church could happen. Jesus came and died on the cross to purchase his church, 
Jesus died on the cross so that people could come and could know God and be gathered and could proclaim the word to others and so that God could be glorified in all nations. So whenever we go and we proclaim the word of God and we, we surrender to the will of God and we trust in the sovereignty of God, all we're doing is following in the steps of Jesus. All we're doing is coming back, we're seeing what Jesus has done for us and we're saying, okay, um, I want to be like my Savior. I want to go and do whatever it takes, however God has equipped me, whatever tools God has given me, I want to go and I want to strengthen the church. And I want to grow the church through the proclamation of the word. That's what God calls us to. And so every week we, uh, at Redstone, we go over here to this table and it reminds us of what Jesus did for us. So Jesus had a body because he stepped down, he took on flesh for us, and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. That's uncomfortable, right? His body was broken for us. His body was broken for the church. And then he said, he, he took the wine and he poured it, and he said, this is my blood poured out for you the blood that is spilled for your sins. That's what Jesus did in order to grow the church, in order to establish the church. And then Jesus made a promise while he was on earth. He said to his disciples, I will build my church. He will. This is what Christ started here with his body broken, his blood poured out. And then he promised that he would continue that work, that he will build his church and that's what he continues to do through us. So uh, if you all would stand, we want to look back with, uh, with this idea of communion as we take the Lord's Supper. We want to look back at what Jesus did for us so that we can look forward to what he wants to do through us. If you um, are not a believer, then uh, we believe that there is a way to respond in this moment. We have some people back in the back corner over there who would love to pray for you and uh, to talk with you through, through these things. And if you're a believer who needs prayer, if you feel the calling of God on your life in some way um, to strengthen and to grow the church that you, haven't, uh, that you haven't responded to and you just need prayer, you're also welcome to go back there. Um, but let's take of communion together. And as we go, Let's proclaim the word to one another and strengthen one another with it and, um, and then take that message to the world as well. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good and gracious and sovereign over the spread of your gospel. And Lord, we are thankful um, that you allow us to be a part of that. We are thankful that you have given us a word to proclaim. And we long to surrender to your will, Lord. We long to um, be part of your mission of strengthening and growing your church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to um, help us to be more in love with you so that we would go and we would do those things. And remind, of, remind us of this stuff as we go through the week so that we could um, walk through this life with the people around us and strengthen them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.